0: Uh, Yeah, just want to say good morning to everybody here. I'm so glad you're here. And everybody online, uh, thank you for joining in. And I didn't hear your response, so if you could just type it in there. Say hello to DJ. She is your contact. Um, I just have a couple announcements. Uh, After our service today, uh, about 20 minutes after we close, we're going to have a meeting about the table gatherings and Rooted that is starting that is starting this, uh, this week. So, Rooted starting Tuesday evening. I know a bunch of people have already signed up. And if there's anybody who has not taken Rooted, uh, I want you to find me after service so I can get you plugged in. There's only four spots left. Because if you don't, then I, there's, a whole, there's a whole bunch of people that have already taken Rooted that wanna take it again. And I wanna fill those seats with them. So, uh, today's the day you have to make your decision. Um, And then we're going to be talking about Rooted. I mean, I'm sorry, about table gatherings. After uh, Rooted, we will
1: be talking about Rooted. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) And then, uh, uh, so we're going to be talking about table gatherings. And Christine and I are going to be there. And if anybody has any questions about how it goes, uh, we have a lot of great things to say about it. Uh, Our kids will be, or two of our kids will be there. And if you have any questions for them. Um, it's just a—it's a really great way to get your whole family together and talking about God, and it's super simple. It's laid out, and it's—and we're just doing the basics. It's one of our rhythms, so uh, yeah. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for—thank you for breath. I thank you for the ability to communicate with everybody here. I thank you for the creative spirit that is here, all creations of yours. We want to welcome you. We want to take all of our gifts and use it to worship you today. We want to raise you up and just say, I love you and thank you. We know who you are, and we're we're declaring it in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Precious blood has left me forgiven, pure like the whitest of snow, powerful to make sin and shame retreat. This covenant is making
1: me whole. So I will rise and lift my head. For by His mercy my life was spared. The highest name has set me free. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. Purify my heart
2: in your presence. Teach me to discover the joy of holiness that forms as you draw me close in you.
1: So I will rise and lift my head For by His mercy my life was spared The highest name has set me free Because of Jesus my heart is clean Sing verse 1 again.
2: Precious blood has left me forgiven Pure like the whitest of snow Powerful to make sin and shame Retreat this covenant
1: life was spared the highest name has set me free because of Jesus my heart is clean
2: purify my heart in your presence and teach me to discover the joy of holiness that forms As you draw me close In you what was lost is restored
1: I'm Sing it out So I will rise And lift my head For by his mercy My life was spared The highest name has set me free. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. Amen. <laughs> You may dance in church all things are possible when we believe all chains are breakable when we receive your way you keep your promises come on if you said it we believe it if you said it if you said it we believe it yeah. if you said it we believe it yeah cause you're a man of your word if you said it we believe are possible when we believe all chains are breakable when we receive your way you keep your promises if you said it we believe it if you said it if you said it we believe it Said it, we believe it. Yeah, cause you're a man of your word. If you said it, we believe it. oh, oh. If you said it, we believe it. We have this confidence, you'll finish what you started god you have never failed you won't start with me you're present in every step patient with every heartache god you have never failed you won't start with me If you said it, we believe it. If you said it, we believe it. Cause you're a man of your word. If you said it, we believe it. Have this confidence. Come on, sing it out. You finish what you started. God, you have never failed. You stop. Come on, declare it over your life. Present in every step. Patient with every heartache. God, you have never failed. You won't start with me. Come on, I know you guys can clap. Come on. If you said it, we believe it. If you said it, we believe it. Cause you're a man of your Word. believe it, if you said it if you said it we believe it if you said it. come on I want you to think about a promise in God's word maybe a promise that you've heard in prayer come on I want you just to lean in that God is a god of his promises. God is a God that is faithful. God is a God that's going to carry you through whatever's going on. Come on. God that's faithful, amen. If you said it, we believe it. If you said it, we believe it.
3: Good morning, DJ and our online community. Um, most of you, I think, don't know me. There's a lot of new faces here. I'm upstairs a lot in production. Um, but I'm Christine. I run our online ministry, including Facebook, YouTube, our website. Um, and DJ helps out a lot, special hosting online. And most importantly, I am Joey's wife. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, so last night I was asking Joey, he's like, what can I say that will encourage our givers? And he's like, talk about what you know. Talk about what you, you know, your ministry. So I do online. And so that's, our online ministry is one of the things that our, your tithing helps sustain and maintain. Because of your sacrificial generosity, we are able to provide um our live streaming online. We're able to promote the gospel online to reach people that we can't in this building. And from, we use so many programs and equipment to just even putting scripture and lyrics on the screen to everything that electronically, that's some of many ways that your sacrificial generosity helps, so you're partnering with us, and I just want to thank you so, so much for those of you that give every week, and for those of you that, you know, that are still kind of hesitant, like, I don't know if I'm ready to tithe or give, or I don't know if God is really going to provide, well, we just sang it, his word says it, so if he says it, what are we going to do? We got to believe it, so thank you. Hold on, we have four ways to give. (laughs) There you go. So we have our mailbox outside and our giving box in a foyer, our website, newlifehistoria.com, and our All Star Church Center app. And also, so our new thing is our podcast. So if you didn't hear last week's sermon, which was, it was amazing, so it, was it was so, so good. good. House rules, tithing, it's one of them. House rules, right? Go to Apple Pad, Apple Apple oh. Podcast. <laughs> To New Life Astoria's Sermon of the Week. (laughs) And you can listen to it on the go. It's great.
2: had claimed his victory the king of love had given up his life the darkest day in history there on the cross they made for sinners for every curse his blood atoned One final breath, and it was finished But not the end they could have known For the earth began to shake And the veil was torn What sacrifice was made As the heavens ro
1: See you one more time.
4: Sometimes you just have to pick it up congregation yeah. I mean that's really what's true sometimes you can't lean on us to do everything for you that's what we talked about last week is house rules are parents sometimes you've got to do your part in helping your children know Jesus Christ is their savior is my mic on yeah, ok I'm loud let's pray Father I love the opening words to that song, I want to be close, close to your side where heaven is real and death is a lie. I don't want to focus on death. Father, I can't turn the radio on without hearing about death. I can't turn the TV on without watching death. I want to look at life the way that you look at life with hope and with belief and with faith with the knowledge that all we have to do is trust you and we can have a life that we can never imagine. You are life. And we love you for that. Encourage your hearts today, Father, and give, please give me some help with this because you gave me more information than I know what to do with right now. So help me make it understandable to them that they can apply your truth to their life, that they may honor you with their marriage. We love you, and Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Y'all may be seated. I want to say a couple of things real quick uh, in thanks to this congregation Um, I broke myself in September of last year broke my back didn't really break it but I'm broken and I've been preaching sitting down for six months now and I hate it with a passion but you guys have been gracious to me and you've been kind to me and you've been faithful to this church even though I am not the perfect pastor and if you're looking for one you're in the wrong place (laughs) I've got the perfect wife. But I want to thank you. You guys have been just... Uh, that's not happening in our world. Uh, pastors aren't getting the support that you guys give me. And uh, I, I listen to other pastors talk about kind of how their congregations treat them. And I just think to myself, wow, I've got it really good. And you guys make it that way. So thank you for that. We're in a series called We Are Family. And... Uh, Last week was house rules, and those of you that didn't like it didn't show up. I'm saying that for the podcast, just so you can know who I'm talking to. Um, it's hard. It's hard to train your children up in the nurturing and the admonition of the Lord. It's, it's really hard to, to do that, and I think that's why it's done. I don't think, it's, I don't think we let others raise our children and let the world rules rule their lives because we're lazy. I, I, I think some of that's true, but I think for the most part, it's hard. It's hard to have God be the center of your home in a world that wants to do everything to stop God being the center of your home. So I want to give you a little bit of grace for that, but you still need to have the house rules. Okay, I can't figure you out today, so I'm just telling you, I'm not sure what I'm, what I'm feeling from y'all. Um, the title of the message today is Our House, and it's more about marriage. I, I did this series backwards. Normally, I would have taught about, taught about what a biblical man is, and then I would have taught about a big, biblical woman. And then I would have taught on what a biblical house was, and then I would have taught on raising your children. But I did it backwards. I started with the children first. And uh, we're on, so we're on marriage. And when you study the Bible in marriage, you'll find there's multiple angles to explore you can study the teachings of the Apostle Paul, but you would, get to, you would need to understand that the Apostle Paul's teachings, especially in Ephesians chapter 5, come from a man who was never married. So Paul's teaching you what the Bible says about marriage, but he's never been married. I remember years ago, I, uh, I was a young pastor and I taught a message on raising teenagers and I had no teenagers. <laughs> and I remember a man coming up to me afterwards and kindly saying, wait till you get teenagers. It's not that the apostle Paul was wrong or he was biblically incorrect, but he never personally experienced outside of pastoring people what marriage was like, and so that's not wrong. You you can it, it's kind of like well, let I me mean, it's it's kind of like learning from uh, a young pastor. He can teach you lots of Bible truths that are true. They're very true. But he hasn't lived enough life to actually experience them or play them out in his own life. So so it's not that they're wrong. They're right. But it comes from a a kind of a different angle. So when you have a young preacher here, which obviously I am not one. (laughs) He's still going to preach truth. But it may not be from as much experience as somebody who's been around a long time. So we could study the, the Apostle Peter who was married. And he was heavily influenced by the marriage of Abraham and Sarah. And he relied on their experience more than he did doctrine. He had some knowledge about marriage. He knew what it was like to do marriage and do ministry and things like that. So you, you got to understand that from a, uh, a perspective of study. And it's kind of like getting uh, your teaching from a, uh, an old pastor who knows what the Bible says but teaches and teaches, thus saith the Lord, but has experienced it and has some knowledge to it. So let me just help you. Just, just I can say this with, with all truth. I have been married for 37 years. Amen. Awesome. I have been happily married for 37 years. Awesome. I know some things. I know some things. I know what the Bible says and I actually know how it works out when you do it. Now that's not a, Praise me or pat on the back. It's my wife that's got it all figured out. Thank you, honey. So we could do that. Ne- neither ways are wrong. Paul still taught truth but, and didn't attempt to say that he had experience. And Peter still taught truth, but he used more illustration than he did, um, let's just say, doctrine. So they're neither wrong. And if, if I was to summarize the teachings, if I was to summarize the teachings of Paul... On marriage, His teachings would be this. That they would be. Um, marriage would be viewed through the lens of Christ in the church. So he, his illustration was the relationship between Jesus Christ and his love for the church. That a husband and a wife through Paul's teaching should be submissive to one another. But that word submission is not what we think. Because that's a word that gets abused a lot. It's submission. There's an underlying mission, mission that every married couple has to glorify and honor Jesus Christ in their marriage. It is the mission that either drives them or divorces them. And that's what Paul taught. Every marriage, in Paul's view, had the opportunity to glorify and honor God in the way that you relate to one another. It's not being subservient to each other It was being subservient to Christ. And honoring him. And in doing so you sacrifice your own individuality. Which that will screw up your world's teaching on marriage. You sacrifice your own individuality into a covenant relationship that is mutually encouraged. Both giving up their lives for the sake of each other. That's what Paul's teaching was. Paul's teaching included submission and sacrifice, surrendering to a mission greater than yourself and sacrificing your life for each other. If I could summarize Peter's teaching on marriage, it would be to follow the history of Abraham and Sarah. 1 Peter chapter 3 is taught from the angle of what do you do when you have a husband who's not obeying the word of God? It's in the context of who's not a, a husband may not be a follower of Jesus or he's not obeying Jesus. And there's a greater mission than self, Peter teaches. A submission to glorify God even in that relationship. It's a mission that requires submission and sacrifice. It's the same teaching, just from a different angle. From an older pastor and a younger pastor. If you study the story of Abraham and Sarah in, in the um, Old Testament... These two words would be displayed repeatedly. Submission and sacrifice. Abraham submitted to God's plan. Sarah submitted to Abraham. And this submission again was a mission to glorify and honor God. It was not just to surrender to a husband or surrender to a wife. It was literally doing so so we could bring honor to our God. When God told Abraham to... Whoops, how did that get in there? I thought I cut that out. Along their life, if you study the story of Abraham and Sarah, they had trials and tribulations that they successfully navigated together. Abraham was called by God to to leave his land to follow the promise of God. And Sarah surrendered herself to that, submitted herself to that. Because she knew that God had led him to something greater. When Abraham and Sarah got into the promised land, they lived by faith in God's provision and protection. They lived by faith. When Abraham and Sarah were promised children, though Sarah was barren and didn't have a baby till she was 99 years old. Amen. Amen. (laughs) They still trusted that God could do it together. When they got too old in in the middle of that, they got too old to have children. They concocted their own plan outside of God's plan that caused chaos and family problems. Have you ever done that in your marriage? You've been married long enough that now you've created some problems because you're not obeying the word of God and you're not doing things the way that God's asked you to do. And they have to live by faith in God to bring it all back together. They lived the life of submission and sacrifice. Theirs was not a picture but perfect marriage but a perfect picture of marriage. What is that? What's a perfect picture of marriage. Having problems in marriage is normal. I don't care if you're newly married or you've been married for 37 years. Having problems in marriage is normal. You can't take two individuals and make them try to be one and not have some problems with that. (laughs) You'll learn that blaming each other is an easy mistake to make especially when the blame should be on us. It's easy to say the reason my life is the way it is is because of my wife. But the reality is the reason my life is the way it is is because of me. You go. Yeah. Maintaining our faith in God can be difficult, especially when God doesn't answer our prayers. And that can become a great point of contention. Sometimes God doesn't do what we ask Him to do in our marriage, and we, we get upset at God, and we start falling away from God, and we start pulling away from Him instead of getting closer to Him. And sometimes... One, one or the other can be closer to God and one can be farther away from God. You've been married long enough to experience that? That sometimes the only thing holding you close to God is maybe the faith of one in the family? Clear communication can be a source of great connection, but confusion leads to contention. If you don't communicate, it leads to confusion. You think things that aren't so and it takes you places that you don't want to go and it keeps you longer than you want to stay. That's a sermon that I preach. But it's true. You're going to learn in marriage that some of us are going to make mistakes, especially when we try to lead our family. So you just need to learn to be patient. If you're married to a young man, ladies, just let me tell you, you've got to be patient with him because he's trying to lead his family to God. But he's also trying to deal with his own pride and his own self and his own garbage and his own stuff. You've got to be patient with him. And guys, you need to be patient with your wife because she's trying to be submissive, but she's married to you. Just give her a little grace. You can also learn that having similar spiritual goals is key to a successful marriage. It's hard when it's just one driving all the time. If you're united in your effort to follow God, you'll find yourselves closer to him. And I promise you, you'll be closer to each other. But I don't want to teach on Paul. And I don't want to teach on Peter. Peter that's a series for another day. That's what I spent my whole week doing, praying and saying, God, what do you want me to do? And he gave me Paul's teaching. And I said, that's too much. And then he gave me Peter's teaching. And I said, that's too much. I said, give me something simple. So he gave me Jesus' teachings. We find that in Matthew chapter 19. And if I was going to summarize Jesus' teachings on marriage, it would be this. Marriage is a sacred covenant relationship that operates through our humility and forgiveness. And if you study the words humility and you study the words forgiveness, they bear a striking resemblance to submission, surrender to another mission, greater mission than you, and sacrifice. In the text we're going to read, the Pharisees came to Jesus to test Him in accordance to the Word of God and their interpretation of it. The issue of divorce was the issue of the day, that was their biggest problem in that moment. And it wasn't, divorce wasn't, the actually act of divorce wasn't the issue. It was how they were, couples were treating each other, how marriages were operating. Divorce was a problem in this day because of the total disrespect of women in the marriage relationship. So twisted was this relationship at this day and age that a woman or a man could have an affair and he was supposed to be forgiven by the wife. But if the woman had an affair, she was supposed to be stoned Or thrown out of the house. You can divorce her for that. It favored. Highly favored the man's side. It was not about. Submission to a greater mission. It was not about. Sacrifice your life. It was about. How to take care of yourself the best. We'll read later on. in, In this passage. We're going to read. That divorce was approved by Moses. But it was not because of forgiveness. And humility. It wasn't because of submission. And sacrifice. It was because of hard hearts. Sometimes hearts can just get so hard, it's, it's an irreparable relationship. And hard hearts hurt people. And so the problem of the divorce in this day is that women were being unfairly abused by the men in their culture. Men weren't submitting to a greater mission. They weren't honoring God. They weren't glorifying God. They weren't sacrificing for their wives. But they were expecting their wives to be in submission to them. And to sacrifice their lives for them. If that's your marriage relationship. It's not going to last very long. And you'll be coming for counseling. And Angelo and I will counsel you. And there will come a point in time. Where we won't be able to counsel you anymore. Because you'll stop listening to the word of God. Because your heart will get hard. And then it will end up in divorce. And then you'll blame us. (laughs) I always tell people. When it comes to marital counseling. You get what you pay for. (laughs) Sorry. So powerful was this issue of divorce in this day that John the Baptist challenged King Herod about his marriage and his adulterous affair. And when he did so, they killed John the Baptist. They killed the preacher. They killed the preacher because he challenged them on marriage and divorce. See, divorce is Satan's attempt to destroy the work and witness of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to do. If he can get us to disrespect each other. And get us to, to deny loving and valuing each other. It'll lead us to distance ourselves from each other. And soon it'll lead us to distance ourselves from God. So Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 19. That was all preliminary stuff. That's actually stuff that I need to preach on later. I need to, because you you really won't understand Ephesians chapter five until you understand Ephesians chapter four, which you won't understand Ephesians chapter four until you understand Ephesians chapter three, <laughs> which won't make any sense until you go to two and one. You got to know where Paul's coming from, and you won't understand Peter what he's coming through coming from until you learn about his relationship with his wife. So we're just going to go right to Jesus. And they asked him, "Well, I'm going to." I'm going to go the old man route. Matthew chapter 19. This is actually big enough lettering that I can actually see it. See, it's faster if you use your phone, but then you're texting and you're Facebooking and doing all that other stuff. I can't do that with this. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away to Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond Jordan. And large crowds followed him and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him, testing him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, have you not read? We'll stop right there for a moment. Have you not read? Can we pray? Because I desperately need it. It's one of those days today. Father, when I heard the words of that song this morning, I want to be close, close to your side. Where heaven is so real that death is a lie. I want to know you and I want my marriage to honor you. I'm grateful for the woman that you put into my life. I'm thankful that you blessed me with a marriage that in my hope honors you and everything that we do. That people can look into my relationship with my wife and see that I love her with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength just as much as I love you with all my heart with all my soul with all my strength I feel like today Lord God that I'm a little bit scattered and I don't mean to be I studied and prayed but I'm going to need the boldness of the Holy Spirit this morning to come across clearer for them they deserve that their marriages need that help me please Father to honor you and Jesus we pray and all God's people said have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female this is a quote of Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 which we talked about last week if you want to teach your children the house rules start in Genesis amen And said, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So that they are no longer two, but one flesh. What Therefore God hath joined together, let not man separate. Jesus is responding to the religious question on divorce, and he's actually teaching on marriage instead of divorce. Why is that important? Because it's often that we come to God for answers to get permission, answers and permission to what we know is already wrong. We don't come to God and ask Him, teach me about marriage. Teach me how to do marriage. Teach me how to be a husband. Teach me how to be a wife. Teach me how to do this right. We come to Him and we say, now how can I get out of this mess I've got myself into? We look at the teachings of the Bible backwards. So Jesus says, Haven't you read? Meaning, do you not know what the Bible says about marriage? Now, to the Pharisees, they should have known what the Bible said about marriage. And I say that to those of you who've been in church for most of your life. You should know what the Bible says about marriage without being told by Jesus or taught by Jesus. But you would have to study that to know that. Wouldn't you hate to hear that from Jesus? You've been in church your whole life and you don't know how to... I get it if you haven't been in church. I get it if you, if you never follow Jesus, if you don't know Him as your Savior. I totally understand why you would not know what the Bible says. I get it. But if you've been in church longer than five years, you should know what the Bible says about marriage. Your children should know what the Bible says about marriage. Whoops, sorry about that. Thank you. I'll just leave it here so I can knock it over again. (laughs) See, marriage was designed by God, not by man. And he designed it for his purpose, not ours. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Ching gender, and said, "Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two became one. Become shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two. So they are no longer two. He created marriage so that they are no longer two. They're no longer two individuals. They're one." They submit themselves to a greater mission and sacrifice their own selves to another person. Marriage was not a social construct. It was a spiritual one. It was determined by God for two to become one. It has social implications. As you can all see by sister wives. Just trying to help you out. Making sure we're identifying all your TV. See, marriage is not about your image or your self. It's about his. Genesis 127 says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. He created us to reflect the image of God to the world. Which is Ephesians chapter 5. If you read Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, and now I got to turn there because I. Thessalonians. Corinthians. That's a fun book on marriage. Galatians. You guys aren't going anywhere yet, are you? Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, if you want to understand the context of of this, it says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Submission to the mission. Sacrifice to each other. Fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We in our marriages reflect the image of God. We are to be imitators of God. The context of Ephesians chapter five goes into marriage, and it starts with that premise. When people see your marriage, do they see Jesus? When they see the way that you relate to one another, they just see the way that God relates to us. God is love, and it's revealed through Jesus Christ in His sacrifice. God is unselfish in the way that he loves. Does he, do people see that unselfishness, the literal sacrifice of your own life for another soul? Do your children see Jesus Christ in the way that you relate to your spouse? Do they see the leadership of God? Do they see the love of God? Do they see the life of God in your marriage? Do they see that your mission is not to elevate yourself, but to elevate Jesus Christ? It's a submission to your life. Your children should see that you're in submission to a greater mission to glorify God, and the sacrifice you make for her or him is the same sacrifice Jesus makes for us. You want to know why your marriage is struggling? You're trying to be an individual. Because this covenant relationship that God created is fulfilled in the one flesh union. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cle- hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. The world doesn't teach that. The world does not teach that marriage is about being one. We talk about it. We say that. But that's not how it's actually lived out. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What Therefore God hath joined together. Let not man separate. And there's three verbs in this passage we're going to focus on to understand that it's a one flesh union. The first one is to leave. There's a point in time where a man or a woman leaves their mother and father and it implies a deliberate and permanent departure. You leave behind your parents for a spouse. Amen? A woman leaves her parents behind for a spouse. A man leaves her parents behind for a spouse. And they establish a new family and transfer that primary loyalty of their parent, the, from their parents to each other. When I do weddings, there's always a moment in time, especially if there's a controlling parent in the, in the mix. And yes, I play that game. <laughs> if there's a controlling parent that I can tell won't let go or if there's a spouse that won't leave their mother and father, I tell the mother and father in the wedding ceremony that this is a moment where everything changes. The moment that husband and that wife say, I do, that means the relationship between mother and father and child has changed. It's not meant to be permanent. They'll always be your child, but they won't always be under your authority. They won't always be submissive to your your life. There's got to be a deliberate departure. And it's a choice to choose one over another. To hold fast or I like the King James because it says cleave, leave and cleave. It means to cling to or stick close together, to glue together. It's to take two and literally stick them together. To where they cannot separate themselves from each other. It's to be bonded some, to someone in, someone in a binding promise. A man and a woman to be glued together by a marriage covenant acts like the most powerful superglue there has ever been. It is to leave that relationship you have with your parents and to choose to be committed, stuck to, glued to the other. And God's the one who unites them. Leave, cleave, and one. Sorry, I couldn't rhyme it. <laughs> Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, if he says it, we'll believe it, right? Yeah. Jesus said, one plus one does not equal two. In the marriage relationship, it's the only time that one plus one equals one. Marriage takes you from an individual identity to a unified one. You give up your when you get married, you give up yourself to this other person. You give up your life to this other person. You surrender yourself and your selfishness and your stuff to this other spouse. It's a supernatural act of God. Two becoming one, illustrated by the consummation of the marriage, not the ceremony. It's the literal physical act of. I don't know how old of kids I have in the room. You get what I mean by consummation, right? I use big enough words that adults could understand them, but kids might go, what does that word mean? You ask at home. (laughs) See, if you can't surrender your individuality to the unity of marriage, stay single. If you cannot surrender yourself, listen, let me just help you if you're single. And you're dating somebody who's selfish. Don't marry them. Because they're not wanting to be submissive and surrender their lives to the submission of Jesus Christ. And if they're not going to be submissive to Jesus, they're not going to be submissive to you. Okay. I'm really wrestling with this. If you can't surrender your individuality to the unity of marriage, stay single. Jesus goes on to say this in verse 10. It says, the disciples said to him, if such was a case of man and his wife, it's better not to marry. Like, if I have to give up my individuality to this relationship, I'd rather not get married. And Jesus says this, not everyone can receive this saying, but only to him who it is given. For there are eunuchs that have been from birth... And there are eunuchs that have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. Let one who is able to receive it, this receive it. Listen, if you can't sacrifice your life to your spouse, don't get married. I don't know if Jesus can make it any simpler. If the person you're dating is critical and complaining about you all the time. They're not surrendered to you, they're, they're subverting, subverting who you are. See, this idea of relationship belongs to no other human relationship. The parental relationship between a, a parent and a child is designed to be broken at some point in time. To where they go create their own family, where they surrender to another family, to their own family. There's this intimate relationship between body, soul, and spirit that happens when two become one. But it comes from the willingness to be submissive. Submission. In submission to a greater mission than just yourself. Paul described this relationship this way. In this this passage... I worry about it a little bit because it gets abused all the time. 1 Corinthians 7.4 Paul said For the wife does not have authority over her own body but the husband does. Why? Two becoming one. Likewise the husband doesn't have authority over his own body but the wife does. Why? Because two become one. When you become married you become one. You give up your individuality. You give up yourself for the other person. Jesus said it this way So they are no longer two but one flesh. What Therefore God hath joined together. Let not man separate. This is bigger than the sexual union. It's describing a relationship that's so unselfish. So sacrificial. That you're picturing the relationship that Jesus had with us. That he gave up his life for us. We know that. And we like that about Jesus don't we? We like that he surrendered his life for our life. We like that he paid for our sins. We like that he covered our sins. We like that he died and was buried and now rose again. We like all that. That's all cool stuff. But Paul said it's like being married. See, God's intent in this relationship that it would be unbreakable. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And if Paul used that illustration of the church and Christ being a picture of a husband and a wife, that means it was never intended to be broken. Jesus is never going to divorce himself from the church. I don't care how many of you say, I love Jesus, I don't love the church. You can't separate the two because Jesus said even the gates of hell won't prevail against her. That they'd always be together. The church is his bride. It was from the beginning God's intention that the church would bear the image of God himself. People get to see who Jesus Christ is by watching us. How we submit to a greater mission than ourselves. And we sacrifice our lives so that others might know Jesus Christ as their savior. We know that but we don't apply that to our marriages. Like the Pharisees, many just seek the scriptures to find an excuse to not be submissive to the authority of the church. Many want to divorce themselves from her and it's because of the hardness of your hearts. And that's exactly what happens in married couples who seek divorce. It's a sacred covenant. It's expected to be held together by a man and a woman who willingly promised to live by its terms. There's going to be tough times. Trust me, there's tough times in marriage. I'll be honest, in in my marriage, we've had some difficult times, but it's never been to the point to where we've even used the word divorce. We don't even say it. Cuz it's not a part of our union. It's not part of our mission. It's not part of his mission. Marriage is so much deeper than what society makes it. It's not a social construct. It's not a social contract. Our commitment to it shares the same image that God left to us, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. What the Bible teaches about marriage, and I'm not even, I'm just covering such a sliver of what is in it. Is in direct opposition to the world's view of marriage. The world's view of marriage is it's just another part of your life. You get born, you start to talk, you go to school, you graduate school, you go to college maybe, or you you get married and have multiple kids. You work a job, you retire from that job, one of you dies or one of you doesn't die, then both of you die, and then the next generation. The, the marriage is just a, a middle part of that, but it's the most important relationship you'll ever have in your life. The world teaches that marriage is just a part of achievement, not Covenant. people look for partners in marriage for what's missing in their lives not what they can add to somebody else's life to fulfill emotional needs sexual needs personal desires and you end up putting a crushing burden on the other spouse because you're expecting them to be something that they can't be instead of surrendering your life to them instead of submitting to something greater than you you expect them to meet all your needs and be pleasing to you and be satisfying to you? They use submission as a tool of power over one another. I, I've said this, I, I, I've learned this years ago since, um, well, it's 30 years I've been sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're a man and you've got to tell your wife that you're the man and she doesn't know that, Amen? There's something greater wrong in your marriage. She doesn't know it. Because if if she's looking for a man, she's looking for a man to protect her and to take care of her. Not to put her down. Not to tear her up. Not to use her for your benefit. You expect sacrifice that personally benefits yourself. And I've watched it with marriages, when you don't get your way, you minimize your spouse and manipulate the situation. If I see a problem in marriages today, it's manipulation. Husbands manipulating their wives to be and do what they want them to do. And they'll use their words and they'll use their ways. And I see the same thing with women as well. Ladies, you want to control your home, just have a bad attitude. Your husband will do anything just to get you to be happy so he can have some peace. Amen. And guys, you know it. I've I've had so many men come up to me and say, Well, Pastor, we're gonna stop attending church because my wife's not happy. Good leadership. You're the man. You become demeaning and demanding. Do you realize when you're being critical of your spouse, you're being critical of yourself because you're one? But you don't look at it that the problem might be you. Instead of one, you become two individuals held together by a legal document that you've got to use lawyers to get you out of. This was never God's intention. Divorce was granted by Moses largely because of selfishness was being portrayed in the abuse mainly of women. We live in such a more enlightened day where hearts tend to be equally hard towards the idea that our marriages were designed by God to be lived in submission to sacrifice. To show his glory not ours. That's, That's not what our day is looking at marriage like. I've had the honor in my life to have these exact experiences that these three men teach about. For 37 years, I've been married to a woman who you could say is an Ephesians chapter 5 woman who has a greater mission in her life to glorify God in our marriage. And in, in those same 37 years of marriage, we've had many experiences like Abraham and Sarah. I can tell you the stories of, of difficulty and trials and tribulations, but we've stayed together. Why? Because two becoming one was the idea behind our marriage. It was not about what was easier for me, what was easier for her, what was best for me, what was best for her. It was how do we glorify God in our relationship. We do not live together for ourselves we live together and stay together because we're on a submission to a greater mission to glorify God in our relationship. And the hope is that through our marriage, people will see Jesus and see what He's like, how He relates to us by the way that I relate to my wife and the way that my wife relates to me. If you're selfish, stay single. I said that earlier. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to, if you come to me and you're selfish, I'm going to tell you over and over again, stay single. For the sake of yourself and the saving of others who could be a spouse and a child someday, if you're, going to be, if you're not going to surrender your life to this other person, don't get married. Become a eunuch. That's what Jesus taught. By choice. If you're surrendered and your spouse isn't. Show them Jesus through your life. Peter said you can win your spouse over. If your submission to the mission. Is to show him or her. His great love. If you're struggling with your situation. If you're in a marriage that is in trouble. Guard your heart that it doesn't get hard. Guard your heart that it doesn't get hard because it's really easy to get a hardened heart towards a spouse because you think, you start thinking that they're the problem or you start thinking that you're the whole problem and when two become one, it's probably both of your problems. And the danger is you'll step away from the mission of glorifying God. If you've gotten divorced, God does not hate you. If you've gotten divorced, God does not hate you. Sometimes it happens because of the hardness of hearts. Just can't be reconciled. But if you're going to get married again, come at it from an angle of, I want to glorify God in my marriage. So I'm going to find somebody who I can submit to my life to and I can surrender my life to and I can sacrifice my life for but is also willing to do the same for me and you probably won't see that on the internet you'll have to actually be around them if you're fulfilling your mission your house should be seen as our house like people when they they think of your your house they should think of your spouse they should see you as one not two I can talk about my wife all day long about how awesome she is but part of the reason she's so awesome is because of me (laughs) that's not prideful I've surrendered my life to that woman in submission to something greater than me and her. It's called the kingdom of God. And I want people to see that it's not me that's making this marriage so awesome or my wife that's making this marriage so awesome. It is us together surrendering our lives to each other in honor of God. I want them to see that it's our house. It's not my house. And that our marriage is is maybe a mystery how it works, but who rules your house won't be a mystery. God's intention was to have you enter into this amazing relationship that if you do it well in submission and sacrifice to each other, it will glorify Him. Your marriage is not about you, it's about him. Is it our house or my house? What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. That's my King James coming out. Let's pray, let's stand and pray. Father, there might be somebody in the room that... God. I get the idea that there's just so much more that needs to be taught. I just get the idea that there's so much more. This world is dragging on our marriages... dragging on our relationships the issue of oneness is being lost the idea that marriage is about me and mine is getting left behind I see it in all the weddings that are going on today. It's really, it's not about you. And it needs to be. Father, the only hope that any broken marriage has in this room is that they surrender their lives to their spouse so that they can honor you but that's where we need help because I want to be selfish I want a wife that submits to me I want me to be her mission because I didn't understand that if her mission is your mission she will love me and she will be everything that I need her to be And I'm thankful for the wife that you've given me, Lord God. She's an Ephesians 5 woman. She's a 1 Peter 3 woman. She's a Matthew 19 woman. And I learned who Jesus Christ was through her. I learned what love was through her. I learned how to be faithful through her. I learned how to sacrifice through her. I learned how to love life through her. Because she was willing to be submissive to a greater mission than herself. Father, I don't know what the room needs today other than I know they need to surrender to you today. So we're going to do this, Lord. We're going to let you move in our hearts. Father, if somebody just wants to celebrate their marriage and the work that you've done through them and they really when we look at their marriage we can see that it's not one person's house it's two becoming one it's our house husband, wife and Jesus Christ let them celebrate that Father if there's marriages in the room that are struggling they're, they're battling right now over, over self give them the clarity to understand what they need to do next maybe they just need to read your word Ephesians chapter 5 1 Peter chapter 3 we can go into Corinthians Genesis chapter 1 and 2 Matthew chapter 19 maybe we need to find out what you say about it and just surrender ourselves to that because if we won't surrender to your word we won't surrender to our spouse Father if there's a single in the room First, help them to surrender their lives sacrificially to others and then find them a spouse that will want to do the same thing. Encourage our hearts, Father, today to to call upon you and the needs that we have. Jesus, we pray. Just with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're wanting to give God glory for your marriage, why don't you just take a moment and do that? Why don't you pray to Him and thank, you, thank Him for the spouse that you've been given? Even if your marriage isn't what it should be, why don't you just surrender your mission to His mission and forgive your spouse for whatever you think that they're doing is wrong. Maybe you need to repent of being selfish today. That you've been putting your life before their life. Maybe there's somebody in the room, Father, that doesn't even know who Jesus Christ is and they don't even understand anything that I said today. They don't understand that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even under the death of the cross giving his life up for us that we might have the forgiveness of sins. Maybe there's a spouse in the room that needs to forgive their spouse the way that you forgive us. Moving our hearts today, Father. Maybe we just want to give you praise for the spouse that you gave us. call out to him church thank you for Deborah thank you for giving me a godly woman thank you for giving me a godly marriage thank you for giving me Jesus Christ come on thank Jesus for your spouse today Altar's open if you want to come pray. Heads about, eyes are closed. I
2: wanna be close, close to your side. So heaven is real and death is lie. Wanna hear voices from angels above. Singing as one, Hallelujah! Holy, holy, God Almighty, the Great.
4: as we leave this place let us examine our hearts if there's been any hardness creep in if there's been any negativity towards our spouse creep in help us to release that today help us to recognize that our role our responsibility is for us to surrender our lives to the spouse and it's not always easy to do open our hearts up to that father We might see how you're going to work this out for us. Open our eyes, Father, that we might see how much better our relationships can be if we choose to submit to a mission of glorifying you in our marriage. That the world can see that there is love and there is life and there is freedom in Christ. We love you so. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, Thank you for your grace today, guys. Have a great day.